Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS, News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Mark Van Aken missing this week on family commitments, but we'll get by without him. And we'll still do first edition news in just a minute. But in a week of celebration and sadness in Australian football, where we lost an icon of the domestic game, the voice of football, Les Murray, the week ends with the news that the Matildas have written a new chapter in Australian sport, winning the Tournament of Nations in the USA with a 6-1 thumping of Brazil. So first up, we're going to talk to Steph Catley, live from the States, to share in all the excitement before we move on to reflect on the life and times of the man who coined the phrase the world game, Les Murray, with his great mate and co-host Craig Foster. Then we'll wrap up the opening hour, as we always do, with our man Dean Hennessy to talk through the latest in the domestic scene. In the second hour, we'll kick off with a special edition of Second Edition News with Fox Sports' Daniel Garb to go through what's been a huge week in the FFA Cup round of 32, with first Heidelberg United, then Blacktown City dumping A-League clubs followed by a chat with the coach of one of the giant killers, the Burgers gaffer, George Katsakis, then with the Premier League just a week away and the championship underway this weekend. Dino returns to talk us through all of that before we wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, what a week uh, of conflicting emotions, mate. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, the week has been um, overshadowed by the passing of Les Murray, and we will talk to Craig Foster shortly. I mean... We should reflect on the significance of Les's um, contribution to football. And um, I think everybody who loves this game and grew up with Les and Johnny and um, feels like a member of the family has been lost this week. So absolutely. But uh, that obviously um, was a shadow across the week. But how good were the Matildas in just uh, demolishing... 75 seconds in, I was a little bit worried. No, I wasn't. Um, (laughs) um, And I told you that before the game. Um, Look, it was was fantastic, and they're getting there. They're they're just building momentum. Um, I know it's not the Olympics, and I know it's not... uh, But it was Brazil, though. The World Cup, but it's a a fabulous fabulous result and and a great reward for all the work that uh, goes into that program. Mm. And, you know, it would not be me without recognising my mob... Heidelberg United doing the job, getting the job done. At Olympic Village, it was a throwback to the Halcyon days with the NSL. The crowd were chanting, uh, uh, Alexandros, and uh, and the players celebrated long and hard with the fans after the game. And, and they thoroughly deserved that win. And, um, and I know we'll talk about the significance of that and Blacktown City Demons, uh, a club that Dean and I know very, very well, and they're Robbie fabulous. Slater, Matt Ryan, yeah, incredible club, yeah. Yeah, long list of history there, yeah, absolutely. and good people too at that club. So, uh, uh, so it's it's been exciting. So, hello, Dean. Dean. Mobs on next week. Yeah, we're on next week, uh, but uh, I suppose it's very fitting with Les Murray. You know, my my first uh, I suppose entry into Australia was in February uh, 1983, and when I arrived, he certainly was the voice on SBS and. Uh, and all through the years and the World Cups that, uh, you know, we've acknowledged with him and, you know, Martin Tyler doing the commentary. Um, it's an unbelievable legacy. Um, and, and really, from an Australian point of view, he worked tirelessly and his aim was, and, and what I loved about him more so than anything, he was the only person I've ever, ever heard pronounce every name absolutely spot on because I know even in our job I look at some names and go, I've got no idea how to pronounce that name. And, I'll, and football was always football. 
you know, <laughs> F-U-T-B-O-L just about. But it? Les wasn't just the broadcaster, was he? He, he was a shaker and mover in the game, yeah. securing uh, FIFA World Cup And a rock star. The Rubber Bands was, decades, uh, yeah. you know, it was a band that he performed in when yeah. he was a youngster. I loved his and, music. And uh, that uh, wonderful, uh, as little as, uh, you know, 2014, that song, Zinedine Zidane. That his, was uh, very good. Uh, yeah. With yeah. his uh, pronunciation of all those fabulous players that he called so much. But let's get into the news. Um, Australian captain Milay Yedinek's hopes of appearing in the Socceroos shirt for the World Cup qualifiers with Japan and Thailand later this month appeared dashed. Yedinek, still troubled by the same groin issue that ruled him out of June's uh, FIFA Confederations Cup Russia, the combative midfielder who turned 33 on Thursday, happy birthday Milay, will miss Aston Villa's championship season opener with Hull City this weekend. And Villa coach Steve Bruce confirmed on Thursday that the ex-Crystal Palace skipper would be out for a couple How of weeks. How much of a worry is that, guys? I mean, we've seen Mark Milligan step up in his place and, and do a fantastic job. Uh, um, we're only three and a bit weeks away from the Japan game and a week later Thailand. I think I think from a football point of view, the preparation when they do come back, you know, obviously into camp ready for the the Japan game and then mm. following the Thailand game, is it's how much work Millet's had in his legs. Mm. Uh, and I know from listening to the same reports that we talked off air with Edge was that he is in training, but it's light training, and you know mm. he hasn't done that pre-season. Now you could argue he was relatively fit before he finished because it, it went on and on. I know he didn't mm. go over to Russia. Uh, but at the same token, he is 33 and the body is starting to tire. But hopefully we can get him back. And if we can't get him back for the Japan, hopefully we get him back certainly for the Thailand game. And what about this Brazilian superstar Neymar has signed a five-year contract with PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, after, playing, after paying a release clause to leave Barcelona. The French club announced that uh, just yesterday. The Brazilian winger, 25, is committed to PSG until June of 2022. He forced his way out of the Camp Nou by paying a world record 222 million euros. How much That's was that, Edge? 222 million euros. That's 332 million Aussie dollars. 67 million a year before tax or 44.49 after tax. Thank you, brother. Not bad to work, is it, if you can get it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Well, it is, at the, it is breaking all records and, uh, and has a lot of people standing up, uh, sitting up in their seat going, crikey me. Yeah, and we, we know it's connected to the Qatar World Cup uh, uh, as well, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. But uh, it's one of those things where you think, just when is this going to stop? And clearly, it's not because the you know the, the the population grows. There's more eyeballs that can watch TV. The more eyeballs that can watch TV, the more the TV rights holders are prepared to pay, and the more wealthy footballers and sports people in general are going to get. Now, we talked about this off the top of the show, but officially the Matildas have claimed their first trophy in seven years with a 6-1 demolition of Brazil earlier today at the Tournament of Nations. Australia needed just a draw to claim the inaugural edition of the event. However, they did more than that. They, they pumped them 6-1, and, yeah. and it was fantastic. Lisa Devanna scoring a double along with Caitlin Ford, Samantha Kerr getting a goal, mm. and uh, Chloe look Lug- And we're very well. excited to talk to Steph Catley after the break. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Matildas, in terms of... Organisations we deal with, look, they do know in the past they've needed to help the media because they haven't got as much publicity. But now that they're the flavour of the month, they're still easy to deal with. You know, Ben Coonan, their media guy, is just a delight. Um, whenever we talk to any of the players, they're always prepared to give their time. I mean, Steph is actually um, 
in transit back to to her club, and um, you know it's a uh, you know a really tight situation there for for, for her as um, you know she's just finished celebrating and um, she's and she back knows. to Orlando. That's right. Yeah. But um, what about Ali Carpenter, seventeen years of age and or um, played every game um, in in that right back position? She'll mm. be captain of the under twenties. And let's uh, not talk about it. We missed it in last week's show. The uh, the, the win against America, thirty years, twenty seven games, twenty five losses, two draws. We'd never done it before. That's groundbreaking, isn't it? Mm. And you know, and you just have to know a little bit about sport in America to know that the, you know the, the 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 United States women's national side is one of their iconic teams. It wasn't long ago that Sports Illustrated, instead of naming their Sports Person of the Year, they named the 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 women's team as as the Sports Team of the Year, and and you know they're really highly regarded over there uh, in, in in top company. So to knock them off and then beat them in a tournament on their own deck is uh, is great stuff. And absolutely superb, no doubt about that. But the FFA shouldn't be celebrating for long because the FIFA mission that will rule on the future of Australian football has been confirmed for next week with a delegation to arrive on Tuesday to start taking submissions. A-League clubs, Football Federation Australia and the Players Union and other interest groups, including women's football, are likely to be interviewed by officials from FIFA's member associations department mm-hmm. that uh, all that audacious and and very significant uh, group of people. The visiting delegation will have to decide whether a compromise can be reached in the civil war that has erupted between the professional clubs and the FFA or install an appointed leadership to revamp the power structure of the game in Australia. Well, watch this space. I think there's a, <clears throat> there'll be a lot to discuss in this. I mean, obviously, they've got uh, a big week ahead of them. Um, and, the, and obviously, as we know, in the just recent weeks of, you know, the disconnects so with the A-League clubs and the FFA as we stand, <clears throat> plenty to talk about, plenty of direction, and, uh, and and hopefully it's a success where we can actually get this game back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and never... Melbourne City Vice Chairman uh, Simon Pearce, who's been absolutely uh, at the front of all of this, it, um, has spoken publicly for the first time in quite a while. He said that we're entering a period of extraordinary significance for Australian football and next week Football Federation Australia will receive a mission from FIFA and the AFC, something which we, the 10 A-League clubs, welcome enthusiastically. Yeah, absolutely. And when Melbourne City talk, there's a lot of dollars behind uh, any remarks that they make. Um, look, we never get through all the news. Oh, there is one little story we're going to flesh out a bit more next week. Harry Kuehl makes his managerial debut with Crawley Town this weekend. That's uh, that's a watching Brief on that one, but uh, yeah, we're um, we're very excited to see how he goes, and uh, and just looking forward to the championship uh, this weekend, and we'll be uh, into the Premier League before we know it. All right, boys, look, let's wrap it up there because uh, Steph Catley is uh, on the line. We're going to talk to her after the break. Matildas, how good was that? Six one this morning. They beat Japan four two. They beat the Americans one nil. It was an incredible performance in the uh, the tournament of nations. And uh, we're going to have a real good chat with Steph after the break. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Now, going into the Tournament of Nations, Australia's record against the all-conquering American women's team stood at 25 losses and two draws over a 30-year drought. But a week ago, the Medildas were the toast of Australian sport when they broke the hoodoo against the three-time world champion and quadruple Olympic gold medal-winning Team USA. A week later, they've beaten both Japan and Brazil earlier today, smashed Brazil 6-1 to win the tournament and we welcome to the show one of the stars of the Matilda, Steph Catley from the States. Steph, congratulations. Hey, thank you very much. 
Now, Steph, uh, do you have to pinch yourself? I mean, this is really ascending the uh, the, the peak of, of achievement here. We're talking about, you know, three other teams uh, anchored in the top ten. The, uh, the mighty Matildas have been respected for a long time now as one of the best in the world. But to first knock off the number one ranked team and then to dismantle Brazil 6-1, that's got to be beyond your wildest expectations. <laughs> Definitely. I think um, we didn't really know what to expect coming into camp because... Um, everyone was sort of in all in their different places. We had a lot of players overseas and a few at home um, doing their own training. So we weren't really sure what to expect the team coming in, but everyone came in really fit and firing and ready to go. And, um, yeah, we obviously got some incredible results out of it and played some pretty good football. I think that's the key, Steph. I was really interested in... Uh, your coach, Alan Stadich's uh, comments about the attitude of the players in camp. He made some comments post the match uh, against Japan that he thought it was the best attitude displayed by uh, the squad uh, in any of the, uh, the any time that it's been assembled. Uh, would you agree with those comments? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know we're, we've always been considered a young squad, and uh, now the girls have been playing overseas consistently for a couple of years, and sort of mature because of that and I think coming into camp this time it's been a while since we've seen each other and everyone was just refreshed and um, really excited to get back into camp and see each other and obviously we were playing some of the biggest uh, nations in the world at this tournament so we knew we had to be at our best and everyone was working hard away from the team to, to come back at their best for the team so it's really good to see that everyone had put in. And what about uh, the nucleus of the team based in the US at this time of the year with uh the National Women's Soccer League in the US, it must be a real advantage to, to come together as a group while that, uh, while that league is in full swing. Um, I mean, just from your own uh, perspective, um, it, it must be fantastic to, to have that as the, the, the lead-in to play for your national team uh, playing in the, in the best competition in the world. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great competition. And we always have seven or eight girls over there playing in different teams. And it's probably the best competition in the world in terms of um, its competitiveness and you know, all the girls come out of college and they're, they're fit and strong. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of depth in teams and every time you play, you have to be your best. Otherwise, you won't win. And that's the, the great thing about the US League and it, it really amps up your competitiveness going into international football. So it, it all only helps. Hey Steph, uh, you're probably aware that the, the Matilda story in this tournament has really uh, taken the front page on uh, Australian sporting news, but uh, not only the sporting news, but just news in general. Uh, people have been picking up on you know, the history-making win against the States and then uh, Sam Kerr's uh, hat-trick against Japan and that uh, magnificent mm-hmm. backflip of hers where she got horizontal. That's gone viral around the world. Now 6-1 <laughs> against Brazil. Now you, you really kept your cool as a team there because you know, 75 seconds in, it, you know, that uh, that early goal to the Brazilians wasn't quite in the script, was it? Yeah, definitely. I think that actually shows how much we've uh, grown as a team, is that, you know, they did score first. And um, I guess in the way we've been playing, that was sort of unusual. So we were able to adapt and regroup. And we knew that we it was off set piece and we kind of had the momentum leading into that. So we knew we weren't out of the game in, in any way, shape or form. So... Um, we just pulled it back together and were able to get a couple on the board pretty quickly and um, resettle and, and play our style again. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Steph Catley from the States, the victorious Matildas, just champions of uh, 
international women's football right now. I know the uh, the women's Euros are going on and the finals on this weekend, but as far as we're concerned, this is the uh, the, the number one tournament going on right now because uh, the Matildas have just uh, smashed Brazil earlier on today. Now, in terms of uh, settling, as you, as you said, the professionalism of the side, uh, you know, Lisa Devanna really typified that when she had that penalty opportunity and uh, and and that was the one to. to to go ahead to one after the uh, the offside uh, goal was uh, was disallowed, and for her to to not only you know to re- recover from the save, but to put away the goal the way that she did uh, on the second opportunity mm-hmm. was uh, was just calmness personified, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think um, she's come a long way in, in terms of her penalties, and um, you know it was a good save. But the fact that she kept her cool and was able to um, calmly slot it back in after that uh, was even With the more other impressive. Foot too. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, she's um, she's gotten a lot more confident with her penalties, so hopefully the, the save doesn't throw her off, but her follow-up was incredible and sort of personifies the, the rest of the game for us. So that was a, a big moment for us. Absolutely. And <clears throat> what about some of the younger players in camp? I mean, uh, Princess Sabini did get some time in the first game, but uh, Alex Chidiak, uh, obviously... Uh, Ali Carpenter, who's uh, played in all three games, um, there is just more talent that's coming through. It's just never-ending, this uh, talent talent line of, of, of future and potential Matildas. Yeah, definitely. It's something that we've really tried to work on um, the past couple of years because it's so important. We've got we've had um, a, a core group of players that have come through together from 17 that are around 23, 24 now, so almost at, at peak age. Um, but it's about the next group coming through as well. And we've got a couple of good players that have come in and um, Ellie's really grown into her role. And even over the past couple of months, she's really come into her own and um, she's able to perform on the big stage now consistently. And it, it's been really, really positive for us. And, um, you know, Alex Chidiak, she's um, come through the 20s and uh, 17s and she's an incredible player, absolutely dominates the W League. So... Hopefully in the next year or so we can get her stepping into um, the national team role quite consistently and we can keep blooding young players at, at tournaments like this and um, hopefully keep getting results with them too. And uh, I don't know what the female version of Benjamin Button is, but uh, the old lady of the team, Lisa <laughs> Devanna, um, just got two goals today against Brazil. <clears throat> She's still got uh, elite speed and able to run past um, uh, 95% of the uh, of the uh, people at the top end of women's football. I mean, she still gets the job done, doesn't she? She's 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 a marvel. Yeah, definitely. She's um she's incredible. She um, she's just so fast and so strong, and it just shows in, in games like that um, that she can run past anyone in the world still. So sometimes it, it doesn't look like she's even trying when she's running, but um, I'm sure her little legs are, are pushing the hardest that they can. But she's she's extremely speedy and. Um, yeah, she, she's been a great leader for us too, off the field, which is something she's developed over the years. So hopefully she can keep that for another couple of years still get the most out of her. And Chloe Legazzo, she um, had to leave the field early uh, in the, um, the game in the first half. She had an injured ankle. Do you know much about uh, how she's bounced back uh, at all? Um, well, I'm not too sure um, exactly what's wrong with her just yet. They, they wrapped it up. I think it was a little bit swollen, but she'll have to go and get some scans So. Hopefully it's not too bad. We'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Steph, um, I think uh, in recent memory, the most heartbreaking uh, result for the Matildas was definitely the 
quarterfinal penalty shootout loss to Brazil. So <clears throat> bearing, uh, bearing in mind that I'm sure that was in the back of your mind, it must have been great to, uh, to absolutely blow them away today. A little bit of a revenge is always a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was um, one of the most heartbreaking events I've been a part of. And um, to get one back on them is, is definitely a positive. It's been kind of back and forth for the last couple of years between us. We've had a couple of tight games. So to have a dominant win like that, it, it's definitely um, good for the future in terms of how they're going to approach us in the future and how we're going to approach playing them. But they did have a lot of class um, sitting out still. So um, kind of too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> but... It was definitely a great win. And going back a week, uh, you know, we can't um, uh, miss the opportunity to ask you about that win against the, the Americans. Uh, you know, 27 games over 30 years. Uh, I've read a fair bit of the American press around it. Um, that, you know, despite the fact that they're in a rebuilding phase and their results of recent times haven't been, you know, at the peak of what they've performed over the last um, uh, 30 years, they are still a formidable outfit and they, and they don't expect to lose tournaments that they host. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's something that, that they kind of have within themselves in their culture that they um, they don't like to lose and they're, um, they're very, very hard to beat. So uh, having them in the first game and getting a win over them and making history definitely set up the tournament for us, I think, and gave us a lot of confidence going forward. And um, I think, you know, it's been coming the last couple of games. We've put some good performances in against them and um, but we just haven't been able to put in a 90-minute performance. So... Um, yeah, it's extremely important for us going forward into major tournaments knowing that we can beat them and the fact that they know that we can beat them too is also a plus. Steph, uh, what's the program for you now? I assume it's back to Orlando and then uh, back to Melbourne City for the W League. Is is that uh, what's uh, right ahead of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on uh, the way to the airport right now to head back to Orlando. We've got a game on Saturday. Um, so a quick, <laughs> quick turnaround, straight back into it. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got some games in September and then back to the W So that well, is the schedule. Well, on behalf of everyone everyone at Box the Box, please pass on uh, all our congratulations. You're doing Australia proud. You're front page news right through the nation uh, right now. It's just fantastic, and uh, we're enjoying watching the Matildas. You're playing beautiful football, aggressive, fast-paced stuff and scoring goals. It's just magnificent. Well done. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Well done, Steph. Steph Catley, victorious Matilda, having beaten Brazil earlier today in the Tournament of Nations over there in the States. Stick around. We're going to take a more sombre tone uh, next. We're going to talk to Craig Foster to reflect on the life and times of, of a legend that we lost in the past week, Les Murray. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talksport. Now, going from the heights of the Matilda's glorious win with Steph Catley, before the break, we now move to more sombre news, but um, a legacy that will live into the, the future of Australian football. Born Laszlo Urge on November the 5th, 1945, the man we came to know as Les Murray immigrated to Australia in 1957 with his family under the Hungarian Refugee Assistance Scheme. 60 years later, the man synonymous with football in this country has left a legacy to be proud of and we're very grateful one of his great mates and co-host on SBS former soccer Craig Foster has found the time to join us welcome to the show Craig thanks guys Craig um, you wrote a beautiful piece in the Fairfax Press uh, uh, dripping with uh, emotion uh, for your friend um, 
that must have been um, a, a difficult article to write. But, but mate, um, if you can share some of those reflections on, on, on Les's legacy, what he did for football in, in this country and, uh, and, and the changes that he initiated um, that will last forever. Yeah, look, he obviously lived an extraordinary life, and the last couple of years was hard for Les. Um, in that sense, he was very, whilst he was a very uh, public figure, when it came to his illness, he was extremely private. Yes. And, um, you know, I actually argued with him a little bit and with various people. I, I wanted him to, um, to let people know that he was battling away, and the reason being is because I knew the love and support yeah. that Australia had for him. Um, but he wanted to, um, you know, just uh, work through it by himself, just with close friends, and that's fair enough. That was his right. But that's why it's come as a bit of a shock to everyone. Um, he, in the last few days, though, what you see is in just an incredible outpouring of love and respect and support, and rightly so. And that's mostly because he put the game of football in the forefront of Australian consciousness at a time when that was a very, very brave and courageous thing to do. So he and Johnny, of course, his great offsider, two of the, two of the greatest legends our game has ever had the privilege of owning, uh, at that time to sit on air and um, advocate strongly for the world game at a time when multiculturalism wasn't what it is now. It was still in its infant stages and there was still a lot of complexity and a, and a lot of um, sensitivity around it. And that was reflected through all of the various clubs that we had and the enmities that they had, you know, even between themselves. All of those issues that we faced, Les in particular and Johnny sat on air and said, we love this game. We are incredibly proud of it. These are our people. And we are Australian, and no one can take that away from us. And further to that, they both also said, one day, this will be Australia's game, and they were proven right. They sure were, Craig. And uh, look, I know I speak to you as a former Socceroo, and Michael and uh, and Dean, my partners in this show, uh, are steeped in football throughout their lives. But I, I grew up in a rugby league home, and uh, and I went to school at a western suburbs of Sydney school, Fairfield Patrician Brothers, where rugby league was the game. And uh, you know, I, I've got the book Sheila's Wogs and Poofters, and uh, and um, you know, we used to back then, you know, use those derogatory terms. But it was Les, from my personal experience and watching SBS, that helped me to learn and understand the beauty of the game and uh, and now I've come full circle to the point where I'm talking to you and, and passionate about the game and I love the game and and to me that's part of the legacy I feel personally um, uh, connected to it and had the good fortune to meet Les on a couple of occasions. That, that's one of the legacies I think that um, that'll live long. Yeah, so it's both football and Australian life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming here as a refugee at a time when there was a great influx from all sorts of communities around the world and Australia, I think, generally was um, trying to work its way through the differences and trying to become, you know, more of a global citizen and understand Hungarians and understand the Croatians and all of these people, of course, came with the love of football in their heart. Well, it was Les that came to really symbolise that. So Mm. at the end of his life now... He's very much a symbol of the growth of multiculturalism and the acceptance of multiculturalism. As you came to accept Les and the game, I guess, you also grew through a period where Australia came to accept both and Les became the face of that.
Craig, um, knowing Les as a footballer and then knowing Les like you did as a colleague, um, and obviously uh, it's, it's, he's become such a great friend as, you, as you, your relationship grew, but um, what can you tell us about um, knowing Les as the person versus knowing Les as the media identity when you were, when you were playing football? And, and, and what are the lasting memories of, of as that friendship of yours grow? What, what type of person really was Les? Uh, he was very much what you saw on air, actually, um, because the way he treated the game, the way he treated his uh, colleagues on air, the way he treated his guests on air uh, was uh, very uh, open, um, very, I can say, loving, but he was just a very uh, friendly and welcoming person. You know, that's why he came to be loved by all of his guests who came on. I mean, mm. many of whom may have had a, a difficult conversation on air, but they called him friends, uh, a friend immediately afterwards and for the rest of his life. So he, that's why he came to be loved. You know, people who are on air for decades, um, the public often starts to come to feel as though they really know them. And sometimes they don't. With Les, actually, you did. True. What you saw was a man who was welcoming to everyone, who absolutely loved the game endlessly, who fought for it... Um, uh, throughout his entire adult life, uh, and who was just incredibly loyal, tr- uh, probably too trusting. He was just a very, very fine human being. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Craig Foster about the departure and legacy of his great mate, SBS broadcaster and uh, Australian icon, Les Murray. And, uh, mate, look, I wanted you to clear up something for me, Craig, because I've heard conflicting arguments here. Now, when Les arrived with his family uh, at the Bonagilla um, immigrant camp in, in Wodonga on the border of New South Wales and Victoria, you know, the mighty Murray River um, splits uh, the, the two states. Now, now, some suggest that he took his name from the Murray River. Others suggest that his father uh, was reflecting on the river Mur, M-U-R, which, uh, which goes through uh, uh, Hungary and many other countries in Europe. Um, do you know the answer to that question? I'd love to say yes, I don't. <laughs> it's <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but, uh, thank you very much. That's a fantastic question. I'll find out. And look, yeah. we, you know, we've just been meeting again with the Premier's Department in New South Wales around mm. uh, his state funeral, which we're just so delighted that you know, Les has been afforded the honour that he should be. Um, and we're going through with SBS, you know, we'll cover it live and mm, give that out mm. to everyone around the world. And I'd imagine that those types of questions will be answered well, on we'll that day. We'll be listening carefully, Craig, time. and if you can yeah. answer that live on, on, on the day, mate, that'd be lovely. We'll know where it came from. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of Australians, Craig, wouldn't know how much Les is loved overseas. He, for, for many people that have been involved in the FIFA community for a long time, Les Murray um, was Australian football to a certain extent, wasn't he? Because he was involved in bringing the TV rights for FIFA World Cups to Australia and, 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 and promoting uh, that part of SBS's platform. But um, uh, people all over the world love Les Murray, don't they? That's very, very true. So if you consider that it was only in 05 that we got back to the World Cup for 32 years, you know, Australia was very much a minnow on the world stage. and Everyone else was taking the plaudits and working, if you like, in this you know, this um, elite band of countries who are, you know, the, the countries who are winning World Cups and qualifying for all these tournaments, and we, we weren't. So it was very difficult then, and it's a tribute to him, that actually he came to be known by so many of the eminent football personalities around the world. Um, and he was perhaps the only one. Johnny also came to be recognised for his contribution here, and FIFA recognised him ultimately. 
But Les was a journalist who everyone knew because, you know, his face went around the world regularly for the last 30 years. Um, he was also highly respected in part because of what you said. He was the guy in Australia who said, we need, this country needs the World Cup. He was the guy who knew what it meant. Mm. He was the one who wanted to buy the rights and went to the government and made sure he got the funding through SBS to, to have the World Cup since way back in, I think, 86. So they respected Les Murray as someone down, in, you know, down under there who got it decades ago. They knew, you know, the world is a small place in football, really. They knew that Australia has, you know, a, a host of games and that football took many decades and was struggling a little bit to find its place in the general consciousness. And they knew he was the one who was pushing it. He was the one at all the conferences trying to buy the rights. I saw the other day, or someone told me, that La Liga in Spain sent out some social media and a tribute to Les to say thank you very much, mm. because he was the one who brought La Liga rights here from Spain. He also had Serie A way back in the 80s when I used to watch every Sunday. With him and How good was that show? How good was the we highlight show? <laughs> we, that, and that was really some of his best work. It was. Why? Because he loved it and the way he presented it was with such reverence. You know, mm. he loved Maradona and so when Napoli was on, you could see the passion and love that he had for the game. And everyone around the world respected that about him. Yeah, and uh, and talking about big names, the uh, you know Les's retirement um, lap of, of honour around the country involved one of the the bigger names in in the world game. Uh, and uh, and and when you, you get Pele out to, to help you with your retirement, mm. you, you're uh, an iconic figure in the game in the world, aren't you, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was no one else that should have done it. So. Um, you know, Pele had been interviewed by him many times. And by the way, for all of these things that we say about him, you know, he, he represented Australia on the global uh, broadcast platform, right? Mm. So if anyone talks to you about Australia, you go to US or you go to Spain or Germany, they've seen his face and they know who he was. Um, but he also was quite brilliant at his job. So it wasn't just his advocacy, of course. Let's not forget, mm. he was just a fantastic broadcaster. He actually was a Hungarian slash Australian who was quite possibly the best in the world. He was a marvellous commentator over the top of games, I'm talking about when he started, but he came to be a host of World Cups and and every major game, and he was the best. And could pronounce it. Yeah, I've seen every coverage there is around the world, some of which language I'm not au fait with, but uh, there were none better than Les Murray and we should we are all very proud that we had quite possibly the best host broadcaster uh, in football for a very very long time and just on that that's why he used to have Martin Tyler you see Martin yeah, Tyler loved yeah. him because Martin is the number one English speaking commentator in the world and he worked every World Cup with Les Murray as the number one host and Martin always said this guy is number one and we use Martin to voice our uh, opener um, to this program for that very reason because we just love him and the synchronicity that he has with Les is, uh, yeah. is a beautiful one. Just last one from us, Craig. Um, obviously, in the last couple of days, Les and Johnny have been reunited. Wouldn't you love to be mm. a fly on the wall to the first conversation they have? <laughs> oh, I mean, how, how special would that be? That would be uh, uh, yeah. something to see for sure. But we, um, well, we, we, we're going to miss uh, Les as much as we miss Johnny. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah, unquestionably. One thing for sure, there'd be a lot of smoke. There would be a lot of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know right. what? In the end, we have to we have to be joyous. 
you know, Les, Les yeah. always said to his partner, Peter, look, when I go, I want people to be happy. I've had an incredible life. And it took us a couple of days, a lot of tears and all those yeah. things. And as you notice, I've really stayed out of it. I want other people to talk. I, yeah. I'm not his only mate, yeah. right? You know, I, I loved him. We worked together for a long time. But everyone needs to express their, their views as well. So I've tried to stay out of it. Once we come to the funeral, we can talk a lot more. But we need to be positive and remember what a, what a fabulous person he was, what he did. And he had a hell of a lot of fun along the way. And he and Johnny, geez, I'll tell you what, it wasn't all work. There was a hell of a lot of play there, and that's <laughs> yeah. what they'll be doing now. Yeah, they sure did. Hey, Craig, look, um, you might not be his only mate, but you're one of his best mates, and um, and nobody could have spoken on a mate's behalf better than you just did. And uh, we're very, very grateful that you took the time to talk to us. It is a real football community that listens to Box to Box, and uh, um, and they do love every bit about the game, mate. So you spoke uh, exceptionally well, mate, as you inevitably do, and um, and you, your mate would be uh, dipping his lid to you and be very proud of, of your tribute to him today. Thanks, guys. Well, he deserved everything that we can give him, that's for sure. He sure did. Craig, thank you so much. Um, we'll be watching and, uh, and looking out for the times, and we'll get them out on social media, of course, uh, for the broadcast of the funeral. Stick around, boys. Uh, Dino's going to be next. We're going to get into the, the domestic scene, aren't we? That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio streaming on the World Wide Web on a number of apps on the box to box nts.com.au app. Now, our former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and Hume City coach, Dean Hennessy, joins us. But, Dino, before we get into it, Storage King, mate, they are great friends. They are great sponsors. Storageking.com.au or call 1-800-STORAGE if you need storage. If you're downsizing, if you're moving overseas, if your business is just exploding and you're, you know, online activity is where the money is and you need to store stock and you don't want a high street store, you just got to get to Storage King. If you're a sports team, a football club, get to Storage King. They will look after you. Tell them that the boys from Box to Box sent you down there. Call 1-800-STORAGE or get to the website storageking.com.au and find your nearest store. Use the space calculator. They're just fantastic, our mates at Storage King. They certainly are. I've used them many, many times, so uh, I can certainly endorse that. Sure can, mate. And uh, what you can also endorse is that the start of the show has been fantastic and it's going to be a hard act to follow, Dino. First, Steph Catley, then Craig Foster giving a, a wonderful tribute to his mate, uh, uh, Les Murray, and, uh, and now we We've got to get a bit of a domestic football to get through. What a week it has been in the FFA Cup with a week to come with uh, a certain Hume City involved. Yeah, we will be involved in that. And, uh, you know, I'll touch on uh, what's gone by. Obviously, the first week's been and gone. Now we were into that second week where there was games on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. Um, Obviously, a couple of scouts have been taken. And uh, my boy next to me, uh, Michael Edgley, uh, fidgeting in his chair with excitement that uh, the <laughs> Burgers, as they're well known uh, in local terms, but Heidelberg United beat Perth Glory in a very, very well-deserved 1-0 win. You know I love the nuances of the game. You know that uh, the very first match that was broadcast of live domestic uh, Australian football was the 1980 uh, match between uh, Heidelberg and, and uh, Sydney City, yep, which Hollywood won four nil. Gary, yep. Gary Cole school, and um, as um, you usually did. Yeah, and Les Murray and Johnny Warren broadcast that. 
Um, and the first game to be broadcast after Les's passing was a Heidelberg game. So there's just a bit of a... Yeah, bit of a... Yeah. I, I thought Perth were a bit stiff. I thought they were the better team on the night. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so did Listeners, <laughs> listeners uh, that really does explain uh, Rob's uh, understanding of the game because that is not the case. No, uh, and, and what that also, that response <laughs> understands is Edge's lack of humour when he Correct. can't tell when my tongue is yeah, firmly no, jammed in my cheek. Kenny, Kenny Athu, who's been a, a stalwart for Heidelberg, he's still a young person really in terms of football career, but um, he's been around that club for a long time and he, he got his goal and uh, we loved it. I do have a story about Kenny. I thought about Sunday at Dunlong Thunder in 2014, like a lot of people were, I'm in an R and I'm in a German row, what do you think? Oof, not sure. Not the best day's business for me, to be fair. He's great. I love watching him, and well done, Kenny. Well, he leads the line, and uh, he, does he does a lot of work. He's such a, such an athlete for a big man, isn't he? He is. He's fabulous. Um, you can know, he get one? Can, can, I, can he get an opportunity actually, at the next level? I actually think he can. And, you know, what's ironic, you know, just because obviously we've talked talking about Heidelberg quite a lot now, is how our domestic competition fares. I mean, we're, we're currently sitting... Uh, Eighth in the table, and yet we've beaten Heidelberg home and away, and oh, it just just enough. shows you the gaps. You know what I'm saying is no, they, they, the Victorian they, Premier they League potentially is, tonight can go and win the league, yeah. and that's how competitive this league is. Anyway, moving forward, Olympic FC nil, Apia Leichhardt Tigers five. Uh, Simmons got three. Uh, Depazo, um, oh Tapuzo, sorry, uh, got one, and uh, uh, Serja got one. Uh, Peninsula Power nil, Melbourne City. Two now. Now, I understand that game didn't uh, go um, all Melbourne City's way. No, no. Stefan was... Mork scored yeah. just before half time. An yeah. unbelievably brave header. Keeper collected him and he actually went off. I, I'm not sure if he was concussed, but he looked badly hurt. And then uh, business as usual. Well, Bruno was back, uh, Fornaroli, and uh, he sealed that very late in the second half. So 2 0. And, and a very uh, good crowd of that game, over 4,500 people. Up there at uh, in Peninsula Power's home ground. Yeah, Red- Dolph- Dolphin Stadium. In Redcliffe. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, now, the live game was... Uh, so, that was the live game. Uh, then we had Western Sydney Wanderers uh, against Wellington Phoenix. This Just what you need in pre-season, 120 well, minutes. 120 minutes, and then to score Extra with the very, time. very last header of yeah. the game. So, it was a great ball in for the corner, great header, and Vieira uh, yeah, scored last gas. We winner. probably don't read too much into this, but I would not be doing my job if I didn't say this, that there was more people at Olympic Village watching Heidelberg and Perth, and there was more people at Lakeside Stadium watching South Melbourne and Edgeworth than there was at uh, Campbelltown watching Western Sydney and Wellington. And look, and that's just an interesting. Stat. It is. It's a stat, but it's obviously like a bit of bragging to me. No, no, it's just it's just a bit of the nuances of the game that you've got to uh, you've got to uh, think you've got to acknowledge. I think it's something with the direction we all want to go in with this second tier, if and when it happens, is that these are the teams that are hopefully are going to influence it. Now we're going to rush mm. through here. Now we've got Blacktown City three. We shouldn't Cent- rush through that because Central that's... Coast. Mariners two, fantastic uh, stuff. Uh, Apia Kui got two, and he, he actually took his first goal unbelievably well. Uh, but the boy Gibbs and then uh, Spazanza scored the, the the winner, which was uh, about I think ooh, eight eight minutes to go. Great little left foot strike, bottom right hand corner, great finish. And a really special interview after the match with uh, Tara Rushton and the Jap- oh, Japanese that, that international. Was, that was, <laughs> was a quality, class, wasn't it? A it was class, yeah. yeah. Tara brings a, a, a certain amount of class and uh, and and. Uh, fashion to the pitch but I tell you if there's one thing Tara does do is she knows football as well especially she really she's, really she's yeah. very good as Tara now Darwin Rovers uh, with lots of imports the it backpackers was, it yes. was the backpackers from Ireland nil Sydney FC eight and Bobo um, scored four Bobo just got a cheeky four uh, Matty Simon got uh, one uh, David Carney got one and uh, 
Burris and Ninkovic got to, to round the eight up. Then Gold Coast winners 3-1 over the Western Knights with Patterson and Kyle getting two and Burns a consolation 91st minute reply. And then the last game that went into extra time, Morton Bay United 4, Broadmeadows Magic 2, uh, Janowski, uh, Stojewski, uh, Veluka and Smith and then a really tough name for Jacoke and Bradbury for Broadmeadows Magic. So that brings us now to this week's games. It's tight now, about a minute plus we've got left in this segment. So now we've uh, we've come into the preview of the, the four games for this coming Wednesday. Adelaide against Newcastle Jets, which is obviously an all-A-League derby. As would, Newcastle's been overseas in preparations for this. They have in China. You, you would expect them to win this one, I think. You would. I think they look a little bit more prepared than Adelaide. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then you've got Brisbane against Melbourne Victory. Um, what is going to happen there? I don't know. It's interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. It's really, they're really uh, it's Perry Park game. as well. It's Perry Park, yeah. so that makes the dynamics a bit different. Mm. Uh, again, I think Victory might... You know, they're pretty good in this FFA Cup. And uh, let me do this next one. Hume City hosts Bentley Greens in, a, in an all-Victorian derby, which will be hotly contested. Dino, can your boys beat Bentley? I think, look, I think we can. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough ask. I mean, we've got a pretty young side out there. The captain's back. But uh, I think uh, Bentley are a really good side. We're, there's not much between us when we play each other. Uh, and I'm hopeful because of the home field. I and Sydney, we if, Sydney United, if 58, play far North Queensland in the last game. Oh. Right, well done, boys. That's all we've got time for. Stick around after the break. A heap more. Daniel Garb, George Katsakis. That's all next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, a special edition of Second Edition News shortly with Box Sports Daniel Garb to look back on a bumper round of 32 in the FFA Cup. Then Heidelberg coach George Katsekis to tell us how his side humbled Perth glory and Dino returns with everything else going on in the international game. And, of course, we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. But, but as I mentioned, Fox Sports' Daniel Garb joins us. What a bumper week in the FFA Cup round of 32, Daniel. Yeah, it was fantastic once again. I mean, it's uh, a tournament that's building beautifully for, uh, for yet another year. Started off with, with all the NBL clubs in, uh, in action. Then we had the A-League clubs come in this week and two of them were rolled weren't they? Perth Glory by Heidelberg and then the Central Coast Mariners for the second year in a row, exiting in the round of 32 at the hands of, of Blacktown City. So that's always the danger for the A-League clubs. You get a, an NPL team from a strong league that's uh, you know, sitting in the top three or four, that's fighting for, for finals and trophies, and uh, you're in pre-season mode. Very easy to get caught cold, and uh, the Perth Glory and Central Coast certainly had that happen to, uh, to them, but wonderful scenes yet again, seeing... Uh, both clubs celebrate and, uh, and enjoy the uh, the tributes of all the football fans around the country and get their moment in the sun and march on, most importantly, to the round of 16 and try and do it all over again. Well, the architects of the FFA Cup would have been dreaming of results like Heidelberg over Perth Glory and Blacktown uh, Demons over Central Coast Mariners, two former NSL clubs that have uh, quite a history in the game. So they do have a support base. We saw at Olympic Village um, a fantastic crowd and a very very boisterous crowd. It was like the old days in the NSL. One, one of whom is sitting right next to me, Daniel. At halftime in that game, I wasn't able to make it, but Michael Edgley uh, sent a very vocal te- uh, voicemail to me halfway through that game, mate. He was very excited. Well, you can take the boy out of Heidelberg, but you can't take the Heidelberg out of the boy. That's absolutely correct. But, Daniel, um, 
that is really the magic of this uh, this event, isn't it? Is is the boilovers and and the upsets and the A League teams uh, getting taking down a peg or two? Yeah, it was always going to be. I mean, that's what's made cup competitions the world over. The chance for the smaller clubs to go up against. Uh, the big boys, and that's what makes our sport so special, the game of football, is that upsets are more likely in our game uh, than any other because of the nature of, of the sport. So it was always set up like that, and early on people thought, oh, there's no chance, no one from the uh, the NPL will knock off an A-League team, there's too much of a gap. You know, there are amateur teams basically, and going up against semi-professional sides, but uh, I think we've seen over the last few years the gaps close more and more because uh, there are so many players in the NPL system that have had A-League exposure and A-League experience. Blacktown has five or six, I think. So, you know, the NPL system is probably lifting a fair bit as a result of, of the A-League coming into uh, to existence in uh, in recent times and they're getting some, some strong players down at their level as well and, and they know what's required to uh, to beat the A-League teams now, uh, now too. They know how to approach and as I said, the fact that they're in the, the middle of their season that helps them as well as opposed to the A-League teams in pre-season mode. But yeah, it gives the competition so much credibility and so much credence. And we've now seen five over the four years of the Cup, five NPL teams or, or State League sides beat A-League teams over the journey. So it's happening more regularly all the time. And uh, it's what's making the Cup so thrilling. Daniel, what about uh, Paul Oaken's comments? You mentioned uh, the gap between NPL and A-League clubs, despite Central Coast Mariners uh, getting bundled out of the the event in at the round of 32 stage. Paul Oaken still still made some pretty uh, strong comments post-match about that gap and saying the gap was pretty big despite losing. Well, it is pretty big, I think, when the teams are up and going. Um, you know, and A-League teams are in are in full vogue and all that. But when you've got this crossover, it closes, closes the gap quite a lot because you know, the A-League teams are still um, getting their act together. They're still finalising their squads and getting into training modes. And and that closes that gap considerably. Um, obviously, when you go into the later stages of the competition, it becomes a bit more difficult for the NPL clubs because uh, you know their season's finished and the A-League teams have started theirs, and, and then it shifts yet again. And, and obviously, like is always the case, the same in England as well. When a Premier League team at their absolute optimum, you know, a top side takes on a, a team from the Championship or, or League One, so to speak, and, and they play at their absolute best. Yeah, they'll beat them, but that's. That's the beauty of the sport. There's sometimes where you, when you're not at your best and the other team rises to the occasion and starts really well and starts building in confidence and they knock them off. So, yeah, there might be a big gap on paper. There might be a big gap nine times out of ten, but it's that one occasion when you're not quite on your game. We've seen it so many times in England that the upset happens and that's what makes it so magical. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks. What was talking to Fox Sports' Daniel Garb about the FFA Cup round of 32 and some of the shock results uh, throughout the course of the past couple of weeks. Now, Daniel, in terms of you know, some of the, the players that we see coming through, you know, the likes of Heidelberg and Blacktown City in particular, were there a couple of players that you think that, that might just uh, find themselves a spot on uh, an A-League list uh, sometime over the next month or so? You'd hope so. I mean, I think it's been a little bit slow in that regard. I think that's the one aspect of the Cup that we'd like to see Lift, and that's got nothing to do with the FFA or anything mm. like that. It comes down to the A-League clubs basically being a bit more adventurous in terms of taking on players from the NPL. You know, there's two players that stood out from uh, the wins from Heidelberg and Blacktown. Sean Ellis from Heidelberg, who mm. looked really crafty. Beautiful a Scotsman, touch. 24, 25 years of age, came here in 2012, basically a backpacker and worked his way up through the ranks to the, the point where he's a star player now for Heidelberg and dominated against the glory the other night. Why not take a punt on someone like that, put him into a professional system, let's see if he puts everything into it, 
And with his quality, maybe he can contribute to an A-League team. The other one was Joey Gibbs from, from Blacktown. Mm. I thought he was fantastic. You know, he's had a chance before with the Wanderers many years ago and, uh, and didn't quite get the chances he would have liked. But speaking to people at that club, they always thought he was a positive contributor and they were surprised that he hasn't been given another chance. The other one was Jared Kyle from Gold Coast City. He's got a hat-trick against, uh, who did they be, Western Knights of, uh, of Perth. He was fantastic. He's a guy who was on the books of, of Sydney FC for uh, a few months as an injury replacement player. He looks 25-26 to be a commanding presence, scored a wonderful hat-trick. Why not give someone else like that a go? I mean, it, it really does annoy me when we see A-League players who have been in the system mm. for so long and uh, hardly recognised as star contributors. At 31, 32, get recycled again. Yeah. I'm not sure why that happens. Why not go and get a guy from the NPL who's 24, 25 and see if they can do the job? And more to the point, when we bring in foreigners who end up sitting on the bench at A-League clubs, what on earth are we doing that for? The expense yeah. to bring a guy over to, uh, to an A-League team and, uh, and try and bring them into the system. When you've got a guy on your doorstep who costs nothing yeah. that you can bring through, to me it just beggars belief. And I wish A-League clubs would be a bit more adventurous in that regard. Yeah, here, here, Daniel. We'd all love to see that, that's for sure. Listening to George Katsakis after that uh, that boil-over win of uh, the Burgers, uh, he, he did Boil-over? Talk... <laughs> boil-over? <laughs> boil-over win. Um, Never he... in doubt from the first moment, that one. <laughs> he talked about, uh, you know, the, the topic on everyone's lips, promotion and relegation. Uh, as a, an observer of uh, the FFA Cup and the, the A-League pretty closely, it seems to me that, that this is the actual you know, rubber on the road of, of uh, the, the evolution and the development of, of the potential uh, B-League, if you like. Oh, it'd be wonderful one day. It'd be, you know, anyone who thinks that, we, that, that isn't the goal of, of the FFA at the end of the day for it to happen, I think is, is misguided. I think we're just a little bit way off financially at the moment, and that's the issue. Um, in theory right now, it's, it's fantastic, and geez, it'd be great for the game, and they should hopefully be angling towards it and maybe setting up a second division to see if that can exist on its own, firstly, is the way forward. But financially, there are massive doubts, and, uh, and that's where uh, we, we're just a little way off now. For me, the, the main topic right now should be expansion of the A-League. Let's get two more teams into the competition, first and foremost. That should be the next goal. Once we establish that, and hopefully that can happen in two, three years. I'm not talking light years away. But hopefully that can happen in two, three years where we expand the league and we can see that, okay, financially they're set up well in that regard. Hopefully there can be a second division set up that exists on its own, and then we can start saying, all right, promotion, relegation, there's enough of a financial base set up in the country to support that. Because the last thing we want is to say, all right, here's promotion, relegation, and all of a sudden you've got four or five teams folding because the moment they get relegated, they fall apart. There's no mm. safety net there to support them. Or a team comes up and they can't really uh, pay for the, uh, the expenses that are required in an A-League system. And then it all becomes a bit of a, a laughing stock. You know, it's all good in theory, but you need the finances behind it. And, and that's where we've still got, unfortunately, a little way to go. Well, there's plenty of magic pitches that are coming through the Fox Sports uh, broadcast. Uh, in fact, uh, everything from a Peacock Burger at Gold Coast through to Heidelberg and South Melbourne celebrating with their fans post-match. Even Britain Speed uh, rugged up at uh, Lakeside Stadium uh, with, with three or four beanies on. It's been a, a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, competition to broadcast, and it just seems to be so much fun. Um, I guess this gets back to a little bit with some... Some people in our football community, Daniel, saying the A-League's a little bit stale, but some of the post-match celebrations and post-match interviews have just been gold uh, from broadcasting content, haven't they? 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And Fox Sports deserves a lot of credit. They, From the moment the competition was formed, they attacked it in that regard. We're going to be everywhere. We're going to have cameras at all the games. We're going to have reporters at all the games. We're going to go inside the changing rooms. We're going to treat it in that fashion. We're going to show you every goal as they go in as well. So Fox Sports and the production team deserves a massive pat on the back for what they did from day one mm. many years ago. And I've got nothing to do with that. I was in... I was in the UK, so I'm not taking, trying to take any credit right here. It's the people behind the scenes who, from the word go, said we're going to embrace this competition and put everything into it, and that's had an enormous impact on the success of the FFA Cup, and the FFA deserves a lot of credit. Now, people in Australian football line up all the time to smash the FFA, but they're very slow to give them a pat on the back when they do things right. They haven't missed a beat in the FFA Cup. From the word go, they've got things absolutely spot on, and that's been a successful part of of their setup, and it's been a massive, I think, circuit breaker in terms of the divide between grassroots football and the top brass in Australia. We've still got a long way to go, but this has uh, certainly helped to close that gap. They've got a couple of things to iron out. I think the, the selection of the, uh, the venue for the final is still something they need to sort out. That's yep. a bit ad hoc, and we've had some issues with that over the years. But other than that, 95% of it from uh, the FFA has been spot on with the Cup, and they deserve enormous credit too. Yeah, absolutely. Murray Shaw and all the team at, uh, at Fox Sports HQ, mate. Uh, massive raps because uh, there's a, a lot of people like us out there that are just really loving it, uh, coming home on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night to, to watch the games, watch the feature match, and then uh, you know extending out into the game that's gone to extra time and penalties. And then, uh, obviously, you know people like yourself, real professional media broadcasters, treating it the way that it should be treated to, to deliver us uh, you know the early days of what's going to grow into a wonderful tradition, tradition in this country. So, hey, Daniel, thanks for joining us. Us, mate, you're always a wealth of knowledge and uh, and give uh, give us great detail, mate. So uh, you're always uh, appreciate your time's always appreciated on Box to Box, mate. Nah, anytime you want, boys. Thanks, good stuff. Talk to you soon, mate. Next up, stick around. We're going to continue the FFA Cup talk with uh, Edges, mate, George Katsakis, who led the boil over super coach. Yeah, <laughs> that was Tuesday night. Uh, that's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News, Talk Sports Streaming on the World Wide Web and, of course, the podcast on box2boxntscomau Now, Heidelberg United have had a proud history since their foundation as Heidelberg United Alexander Football Club in 1958. And coach George Katsakis must be an incredibly proud man after his side knocked off the A-League's Perth glory during the week. And, George, we know you're you're very busy. You're about to kick off an NPL match very soon. So thanks for finding the time to talk to us, mate. Absolutely, guys, and thank you very much for having me. And uh, always always give up my time for you guys, that's for sure. Now, George, I know you're good mates with Michael Edgley and Dean Hennessy who are in the studio with me. Now, um, I wasn't able to make it to the game, but I did check my voicemail um, and I got a very excited message from uh, Michael telling me, mate, we're all over them. We should be up 5-0. Go the burgers. <laughs> that was the half time. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just reflecting the atmosphere because when I did t- stick on the TV and watch it, it was just a, a great atmosphere. And then, you know, listening to you after the game, you know, just the the, uh, the, the moment in time that it was was just so special. Incredibly, uh, a great, incredibly good feeling, to be honest. It was uh, an amazing uh, performance by all the boys. And, uh, you know, uh, most of our homework uh, that we did on Perth Glory worked out to a T. So overall, I think... Um, from a club's perspective, a coaching perspective, and the uh, execution of the players, uh, I couldn't be delighted more than with everything because uh, we, we everything went to a tee, to be quite honest. 
George, um, this is a national program. It goes uh, on digital radio, news talk sport, as you know. So like many of the migrant clubs that uh, formed uh, the backbone of the National Soccer League, uh, there's Alexander or Alexandros or Heidelberg supporters all over Australia because of their migrant roots. Uh, you know that many of them are still smiling this week and uh, you know how much it means to supporters of the club to be respected and acknowledged uh, for our history. And uh, you pulled it off on on uh, on Tuesday night and you must be uh, in- incredibly proud of, of the rebuild that's been ongoing at that club for, for about five or six years now, of which you've been central to. Correct. Uh, it's, look, uh, no doubt we can't take nothing away from um, uh, the pride of everyone that's uh, acquainted or, or, or somewhat um, involved at the club. And um, it, it is a club with a lot of history and, uh, and no doubt people will reminisce uh, the old NSL days and obviously the formation of the club back in the 50s, late 50s. Um, it, it was certainly a very proud moment. It's something that uh, I think everyone will cherish for a very, very long time. So, um, you know, look, the, the truth is that um, I'm sure that everyone's uh, just uh, riding the wave at the moment and enjoying the, uh, the, the post-72 hours. And obviously, George, um, seriously, I mean, you always backed yourselves. I know the team was preparing, uh, you know, to have a real crack and, and, and get a result. And, and we often talk on this show about the timing of the NPL clubs when they actually do get uh, A-League competition in this tournament. The, the, the earlier you get the A-League clubs, the better it is because the, the pendulum seems to be in favour of the NPL clubs. But to truth, truth be known, uh, it was a complete performance and 1-0 as a scoreline didn't actually do justice to what the, the result could have been had of chances in the first half gone in. Uh, I mean, that was, I think that's the, uh, the message out of the, the match for me was that um, um, it wasn't a lucky win. It was a, it was a pretty dominant performance by the Burgers. Well, to be quite honest, Mick, uh, the first interview I did in Sydney uh, once the draw was done, um, I, I categorically said that it was, you know, I was delighted with the draw because uh, if there's a time to get a, an A-League team, this is probably the time that you want to get them. Uh, we, obviously in 2015, we competed against Melbourne City at a very later stage where we had finished our season and uh, they were just coming to the start of their season, so they were well, well prepared and uh, hence why I did make that comment that I'd rather be um, involved in a game like this this time of the year and... Uh, uh, you know, we did our relevant homework. We knew they'd be underdone. There was a, a plan that we set ourselves to, to execute, and uh, rightly so. Uh, the, the game could have probably finished uh, in our favour, possibly a lot more than what uh, what reflected on the scoreboard. But um, you know, it's just a credit to the boys for for the, their execution of the of the game plan and um, and things that we spoke about prior to the game. Cuts, it's uh, Dino here. Um, uh, well done. Um, I know we're all Thanks, very. Dino. I know. I know we're competitors uh, week by week, but. I think when these things happen in football, I think the whole Victorian community, certainly at the NPL level, if there's a Victorian team involved on that particular night, we're supporting them. And I thought it was an unbelievable one atmosphere, but also two, a great performance that most probably promoted how good a league our league is. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and you, and obviously, you know the way I think, you know, um, I'm very uh, supportive of Victorian football. Um, I, I try and. Uh, deliver a message to the the whole of Australia when it comes to um, Victorian football. Uh, there was a couple of years ago where four teams had made the quarterfinals or the last 16 out of Melbourne and um, you know I was up against Sydney and a couple of other comments and uh, I threw myself around um, saying that I think uh, we are the catalyst for, for, for Australian football at, at National Premier League level and um, uh, and then again that was uh, again displayed on, on, uh, on Tuesday night. Um, you know, we're right behind, as you guys and the football community are behind us. Uh, we as a club do the same thing. We're totally behind 
uh, all NPL clubs, Victorian NPL clubs, and uh, hopefully the, there's another couple. Or we definitely know that um, South are through, and hopefully one of the two, um, uh, along with these two out of uh, Hume and, uh, and Bentley next week, uh, can go to a, a further stage and, and possibly um, have a berth in the finals. Now, on top of uh, the FFA Cup, you're obviously, you've got your game tonight, which is your game in hand, and looking at the league table, three points could most probably secure you the first place um, unless something drastically went wrong. How do you, and and the reason I'm going to ask you this is we went through this when we were Hume, when we were, you know, trying to do it on all fronts, the fatigue of the squad and the rotation. How are you planning for that? Because these games will come fast and furious. Yeah, look, we've definitely rotated over the last month and we'll continue to do that um, as of tonight again. You'll find that uh, 30%, possibly 35% of the squad that played on uh, on Tuesday night won't be complete, competing today and uh, we're going to rotate. And that's been the beauty of um, of the year, to be honest. Um, we've The depth of our squad's been phenomenal. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have most players available. We've got a couple outs, but um, we've rotated really well. Our recovery sessions have been uh, tremendous. Uh, you know, a lot of credit's got to go to our medical team because I think, uh, led by James Telford, he's, um, he's he's had a very uh, large contribution to the way we've recovered. Um, so all those uh, little one percenters are coming to play. Uh, we've taken into effect and uh, definitely have been uh, have contributed uh, to the, the success of the year. Uh, no doubt, today is just as big a game as Tuesday night. Uh, you know, we haven't won much silverware uh, over the last ten years or so. So. Uh, we, we've got to give something back to our supporter base and our, and our membership. Uh, tonight could be uh, one of those nights that uh, uh, doesn't doesn't um, uh, succeed in, in a full aspect that we've uh, won the championship and and and, the, and you know the minor premiership. It's the of course the, the Doherty Cup that we've won, uh, the last 16 that we've contributed to now to the uh, FFA Cup, and then possibly be crowned minor premiers um, next week. So. You know, taking all that into account, it's just been an incredible year. Sure has, George. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to George Katsakis, the coach of Heidelberg United. And, George, just to go back to the game, uh, you know, the um, one of the, the little highlights that, that I, I sort of observed was uh, was Kenneth, who, who who put that goal away, you know, after a, you know, a brilliant uh, through ball from Sean Ellis. Um, you know, he's a, a Sudanese young man, and um, and we see a lot of bad press for, uh, for you know, uh, his, his people in, in, uh, in the news. And we don't see enough good press from from people uh, like himself who are great representatives of the community and watching his uh, family and his friends celebrate I thought that was a, a wonderful moment a really a, a real reflection of how football can uh, can send a positive message out to the community it sure was and uh, Kenny's just a lovely lad he's uh, a lad that uh, comes out of a uh, you know not so wealthy family he's um, he's had his ups and downs over the last few years uh, with some um, you know close family issues and um, uh, the passing of his mother and uh, you know I think that um, I think that uh, Tuesday night for him and all his family was something that I'm sure that um, if she was watching, uh, she'd be very, very proud of him. And um, that's the message that he delivers to his community and uh, and to the broader, you know, footballing community and definitely to the uh, the Heidelberg community because uh, he's always out there. Um, uh, he's an advocate for, for, for you know the Sudanese community and, um, and and does as much as he can. So. You know, it's it's a credit to him. It's a credit to his family um, and his upbringing, to be quite honest, because uh, he's he's just a, he's a wonderful lad. And it's a credit to uh, your club, oh, our club, George, too, because they've been a constant in his um, 
<clears throat> in his development, uh, he's been at the club for some time now and you've uh, overseen his development. I think he's 26 goals in all comps this year and none more important than the, the one he stuck away last Tuesday night. But let's just change to a moment to um, uh, Paul Ocon, who made some comments post uh, Central Coast Mariners being bundled out of the FFA Cup. I thought uh, his comments were a little bit out of whack with uh, maybe community sentiment around the gap between the, uh, uh, the NPL and the A-League. Would you like to make any comments about that? Uh, look, I don't, I don't like to get uh, into a confrontation with uh, fellow coaches, but um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very humble in, in defeat. I'm very, very humble in, 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 in being a winner. So, all I can say from that aspect is, uh, I've got my opinion to that, and my opinion is certainly that uh, the gap between the uh, the A League and the NPL is narrowing very, very quickly. Uh, I think it's time that um, uh, this gets recognised by. Uh, by people at FFA and, uh, of course, uh, uh, the higher, uh, you know, people that, that make the decisions and uh, that we start realising that there certainly is a, a market and a, and a place for a second tier uh, or, or for the inclusion of another two or three teams, possibly four, to the, uh, to the A-League and, and make this... Um, make, it, make it an exciting next 10 or 15 years for, for football in Australia because, uh, you know, we've had a lot of bad publicity uh, with the, the national team and and the development of young, youngsters coming through. Uh, there's been a lot of negativity, and I think it is really time um, with what we're witnessing. And, and, you know, I need to congratulate Blacktown on their performance uh, the other night as well because uh, they're, they're another team that's come a long way and uh, knocked off a, an A-League team. And that's only proof in the pudding that uh, there is certainly the gap between A-League and, and National Premier League is diminishing, it's narrowing. Unfortunately, we don't have the resources and probably the, the facilities uh, to be competing at their level, but uh, I could, you could be rest assured, uh, my opinion is that we're getting very, very close to it. George, just one vote. Obviously, we're, we're stuck for time now, so we really like tight answer, so I'll make the question really quick. Obviously, the MPL clubs have all banded together um, over the few months that we've been together as a group called the AAFC, representing all of our MPL clubs throughout the country. If you could suggest... Uh, two small items that could bridge the gap and make it done in a quicker time frame that possibly other people are thinking of, what would those two things be? Well, um, look, I think one thing is we need to get uh, councils and municipalities behind us. I think it's very important because the facilities probably need to be upgraded uh, marginally or possibly in other areas uh, quite dramatically. Uh, I don't think we have those facilities to be able to really compete at that level. Uh, I suppose that might be one of them. Um, uh, the other thing is uh, maybe maybe the, the contribution of the, the youth development and the, and the youngsters that we're including. Uh, maybe there needs to be some form of ruling or some somehow bring some of those better kids uh, into a starting 11 position and maybe we, I don't know, we, we limit it or say that we have to play two or three kids under the age of 20 uh, continuously. Um, they may be two things just off the back of my mind at the moment, uh, without having put too much thought into it, that um, yeah, could be the, the, the start to uh, something uh, long-term. Absolutely spot-on, George. Yeah, my sentiments, exactly. So, well said. And, George, only one really message from me. <laughs> Three points tonight. We want that minor title, mate. Yeah, look, uh, Mick, uh, I think it's been a long time coming for the club. Um, you know, the group that we've got together at the moment is quite special. It's quite unique, to it be is. honest. Um, and Dito will probably vouch for that. It's, um, yes. it's a group that we've put together over the last three or four years. Uh, we haven't won much, but um, it was a, a long-term plan. Um, at the moment, we've, uh, we're, we're right on target for it. So 
hopefully we can give back to uh, our community and um, and definitely the membership because uh, they've been thirsty for it. So hopefully uh, tonight's the start of a, of a massive year. Good on you, George, mate. Uh, well done. It's sort of, I feel like a one out, mate. It's old home week within the three three buddies just having a yarn, and Edge has got his arms up in the air, jumping up and down as if he's still on the terraces, mate. He hasn't gotten over it yet, George, I'm telling you. Good luck tonight, George, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you on Box to Box again, mate, uh, as the uh, the rise and rise of uh, Heidelberg United continues. Thanks, James. Thanks very much for your time. Not at all. Stick around. Dino's going to stay in the studio because we've got... A bit of international news. The uh, championship starts this weekend and we're just a week away from the English Premier League getting started. So stick around. That's all coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports. Streaming on the World Wide Web. On digital radio, of course. And the Box to Box podcast box to box nts.com.au if you've missed any of our previous episodes what a bubble show it's been tonight and dino's in here we're going to talk about uh, the uh, european football kicking off this weekend now it's a week and a bit away from the english premier league starting and the major leagues in uh, the other continental competitions but the championship gets started dino but before you join in dino i just wanted to talk to you about your skin again, mate. Yeah, I want you to give it the royal treatment. Because that you've... huge organ. Exactly. Now, this is a different uh, product we're talking about here. Give it the luxurious treatment with Healthy Care Anti-Aging Gold Flake Face Serum because we're all getting a little bit older we and uh, you know, we all like to, to find the fountain of youth. It's a dual function formula, enhances skin hydration and prevents water loss, making it the perfect companion during the cold and dry winter months, which we're in the middle of right now. That is, of course, if you're listening to this show on the uh, in the southern states. I know it's a little bit warmer uh, up north. It also helps reduce the fine lines and wrinkles. Let's face it, we all deserve a little gold in our life, don't we? Right now you can get Healthy Care Anti-Aging Gold Flake Face Serum for only $12.99. What a bargain at Chemist Warehouse. It helps your body reduce the fine lines and wrinkles. Give your skin the royal treatment with Healthy Care Anti-Aging Gold Flake Face Serum. Always read the label. Use only as directed. Chemist Warehouse. Lowest prices guaranteed, Dino. I will be popping in tomorrow uh, in much need of that product and uh, I am getting a bit older and the skin does need some assistance. We won't recognise you when you come in mate, you'll be looking <laughs> Omar like Omar Sharif. <laughs> Good on you Omar. So Omar, there's, um, there's a lot of football coming up this weekend mate, um, really looking forward to the championship, um, it uh, gets its week. Uh, community its Shield. Community Shield of as well, course, well the yeah. FA Community Shield yeah, which is uh, yeah. obviously big with Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, and there's been your... Yeah, um, European qualifiers, um, yeah. the women's Euros as well. Yeah, well, look, I mean, not even on that. I mean, um, some of the European competition there, mm. I saw, uh, which was really interested, uh, the the young fella, Dominic Calvert-Lewis, who'd done really well at the under-20 World Cup winning um, team for, for England. Uh, he, he came on with 11, with 11 minutes, and after 11 minutes, he scored the, the winner over there, which put Everton through. Uh, but also some big clubs like, you know, the AC Milans of the world and Marseille and uh, Atletico Madrid are through to the next round of the Europa Cup. So mm. well done to those clubs. Um, but let's be honest, we will go on to the Arsenal-Chelsea. In fact, why don't we just do that first yeah, and then we'll, then we'll first, get yeah. really yeah. you know into the, our favourite yeah. little segment. Uh, Arsenal-Chelsea, um, both have had reasonably good off-seasons. Uh, Arsenal obviously won their tournament um, at the Emirates, um, even though they got beat to uh, a decent Seville. Um, but Chelsea um, done some really good business in in the 
in the uh, off-season, as, as have both clubs. And I think there's going to be a really, really big year for both of these clubs. Chelsea obviously have got to back it up. And uh, Antonio Conte has already mentioned he, he doesn't want to have a, a Mourinho year. So it's important that uh, they do react to that. Um, but we sort of feel like we know Arsenal a bit after their yeah, trip to Australia. Yeah, I think so. And they, they impressed us more as mm, much on the pitch as off the did, pitch, yeah. which was really refreshing. Uh, but look, I mean, the two big clubs, um, Arsenal's obviously got an extension uh, after all that debate in the last year, especially towards the end, it got a bit toxic. So mm. I think what they need to do now as Arsenal fans is really get behind them. Absolutely. Now, just for our listeners around Australia, as you know, Dean has a bit of an accent. He did grow up in the UK. And uh, for all of those listeners that love the world game here but didn't grow up in the UK, where does the Charity Shield match sit in the pecking order of important fixtures? I know it's a, it it's a really. friendly, yeah, no, but it, it, does, it does carry a bit of weight. It, it? it carries a bit of weight just to say, well, you've got the, cup, the team that's gone through the cup competition, then you've got the team that's won the home and away, which is obviously the most important. Um, and it's just most probably the first hit out. So it's a glorified friendly. It is a glorified friendly. Uh, it's good for the supporters. They all go back to Wembley and get a good sing-song. The team that wins then obviously gets a bit of confidence thinking that they might start the league really, really well. But over the years I was there, it was never really a major factor. And, and I think now, you know, the Champions League and what comes with that and even the Europa Cup finals, that's what really pushes it on. And for the record, because I was chastised about making that mistake, the Community Shield as opposed to the Charity Shield. Yes. Well, yes, that's yes, right. it is. Same thing. Well, well done. Well, well done, I, I said that last time. Ex- excellent work. Excellent work. <laughs> now, so, the women's Euros, mate. Yeah, um, look. Their Poms, uh, <laughs> they, they had to face the home side uh, at FC20 Stadium and um, and they got um, towed up. It was 3-0. Well, yeah. yeah, 3-0. I mean, uh, again, another English team have done well. Um, mm. You know, so obviously from their youth po- policy, what they've been adopting the last five, ten years mm. is obviously working for the women's game, like the Australian game. You know, mm. our women are really doing well. We've just, you know. Yeah. Um, but the Dutch need some good news in international well, well, football, they do. don't they? At least they their do. women are doing well. Well, the women have come to, to the forum. They've got through to the finals with a 3-0 win. But also the Denmark uh, women beat uh, the Austrian women um, and basically, that uh, that really puts it now into the final. So it's Denmark, Netherlands. But the on quality Sunday. of women's football is just going through the roof. It's I mean, I, I've been listening to and watching a fair bit of media, you know, from a lot of the pundits who, uh, you know, are pretty harsh markers uh, when it comes to uh, you know the quality. They're not giving anyone favours, and uh, you know, just really saying that they're enjoying the game now. Uh, uh, for pure football purposes as opposed to you know feeling like that they've got to say something that's politically correct. Women's football is uh, sitting comfortably uh, well, at the top level. I think based on an Australian point of view, we've got a team that's really, really good mm. and that very much at the highest in most probably any of the women's sports in this country. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden then now they've, they've, they've knocked off the things that they hadn't been able to do mm. in the past. They've always knocked on the door. Mm. All of a sudden now they're showing this ability to really take the game to another level, which will then encourage more girls coming into the system. Uh, because there's an opportunity to be an international athlete in a sport that we think we can do really, really well in. You know, um, the Football Federation Australia and football generally cops a bit of uh, a shellacking. And we saw the, you know, the PR campaign around the AFL women's. But the Matildas and women's football, it is the pinnacle of women's sport in Australia. Mm. There is no other team that competes in such a... Uh, such a big market like the the Matildas do, yeah. and and they're doing really really well. So they really do put the AFL women to shame 
in terms of their... In I think they might of, be exaggerating no, just a little do. bit. You in terms mind, of he doesn't mind a very strong adjective from time no, no, to time, no, he does he, No, he did say off-air that he was, pretty, sh- pretty, he was pretty passionate about it. But to this. shame, he's, he's, I don't know, he put them to shame. <laughs> well, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of the, the Maybe physical, in the shade. physical preparation and professionalism, these, these yeah. women now, I mean, yeah. the nucleus of the team that's playing in the... Uh, mm in the National Women's Soccer League in mm. America or in Japan and Korea. Mm. You know, they are full-time professionals. They're not uh, just doing it uh, for a couple of months. Well, I think we all agree on the one point is that women's sport is just going it through is. the roof. And the Matildas and, uh, are the top of the pile. It's interesting, <laughs> it's interesting as well. Like, my, my first exposure is when I left uh, England to go to America for that two-year period, and we actually ended up going with a, the women's team from that state in Oklahoma. And... I got that's most probably when I really first started that they're pretty serious over there. So America had a massive jump on what we have, but it looks like we're now catching them up. So. Yeah, I would agree. Hey, but what about the championship? Let's get into this. Well, this is this is our this fav- is, this is our favourite league, league purely is. because of it's, it's just, just so the hardest league to get in and, and out of. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. But look, it's uh, it's all starting, uh, and I know we're here. Uh, we're here now uh, tonight, um, really in, in tomorrow morning's time. But basically, Nottingham Forest. Um, who in the old days, you know, they they didn't mind a bingle in the crowd, uh, and they're playing Millwall, and Millwall are in town on a front. They don't need the old days to mind a no. bingle. And, in we, the crowd, and we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen here, but obviously we hope James Meredith uh, with his new. We, well, we hope he starts. Yeah, we and, hope he starts. I'm sure, and be... I'm sure he hasn't been recruited not to start. No, no, I'm yeah. sure he was signed, you know, purely to to get the start. But it's like anything. And football. he'll grow an extra leg, he because he's got the Millwall fans behind him. And, no and problem. Well, there. they'll support him like he like <laughs> no one else, and also the fact is that look he's been waiting for a long time for this opportunity and he's finally got it uh, and also my old team uh, or mm. my current team still is we're playing away at Sunderland so that's not easy because when so you, you see who I think you mention who your old team is yeah Dar- Derby County um, uh, which the old boy played for but the Rams so I've got high hopes for Derby known this year. as the Sheep Shaggers yeah yeah <laughs> well then we're on we're on radio it's a family <laughs> show <laughs> it is a family show well, I'm just and the other games you know of interest uh, the, the, let's go just do the newly promoted team can I ask you about the games that I'm interested in? Yeah, go first? on, then go for it. Yep. Bristol City, Bailey Wright. Yep. Uh, he'll start, there's no doubt about that. They play Barnsley. Not a bad start. Mm. I mean, I've got Bristol to struggle this year because they did struggle last year, only came in with a bit of a wet sail, but I think they could struggle. But um, yeah, well, it's, it's off to look. You need a win in your first game, so this could be as good a chance as any. And then, then the other game that obviously everybody in Australia will have some interest in is is Burton Albion against Cardiff because of Jackson Irvine. Of course, and um, you know we've had Jackson on the show many, many a time. It's at home, so there's a bit of advantage. And I think I think if they get off to a good start, they might just surprise a few teams. I don't think they're going to push for the six, but I certainly think they can finish higher than they did last year. Just just um, a, a comment. Uh Dino, for all the listeners out there, Bailey Wright transferred from Preston North End to Bristol City, sort of midway through last season. So w- w- the two clubs, but how different they are. Preston North End, a very famous old club. They are. Bristol City, not so much. Yeah, th- th- that's right. But I mean, I think at the time, I think he obviously got an offer that you know was guaranteeing first team football. Even though he was getting that at Preston, I think he saw it as a move up. Um, and when he got there, he actually did quite well. So from Bailey's point of view, I think he, you know, he's made his right choice. He's there again this year, and hopefully they'll push on. Now, what we're going to do, just before we finish, we're well, going to have other, a, a the, little prediction as well. Wolverhampton hosts Middlesbrough, which is the other team that's dropped down from the Premier League, and Aston Villa uh, host Hull. And there'll be no Miller Yedinak 
for I'm Aston sure. Villa, who is uh, still uh, trouble overcoming in that groin injury, yeah. which puts his position for the Japan and Thailand Socceroos yeah. matches at the end of, end of the month in doubt. So Steve Bruce said during the week, no chance no that chance. he would play but he's in, in the next training. two weeks. He's in light training. And yeah. also, uh, obviously, there is John Terry, so a big name in uh, mm. English football. He'll be uh, hopefully making his debut. Um, so and they just, play Hull, which is Steve Bruce's old team. So what we'll do, just a quick, you know, we'll, we'll put this in the archives, as they call mm-hmm. it. He wants us to make a prediction. A, a bit of a prediction. Know, now, prediction. We, we, can cha- we can change it halfway through. We can. Okay. Yeah, we can. So anyway, so I want, I, want, I, want, I want one to six, <laughs> Edge, one to six. Oh, you want one, one to six. six? One to six. Oh, gee, that's harsh. One to six. All right, number one uh, for me is going to be Middlesbrough. Yep. Uh, number two for me is going to be Aston Villa. Yeah. Number three for me is going to be Leeds. Yeah. Number four for me is going to be Cardiff. <laughs> uh, number five for me is going to be Sunderland. And number six for me is going to be Millwall. Okay. And uh, go, Rob. Okay. Well, um, you've caught us on the hop yeah, here, mate. So hop. question without notice. If you so. had your engine notes earlier, though, you yeah, had preparation correct. time. But we'll go on. Yeah. We'll go with that off air. Good on you, Dan. <laughs> nice slap. Uh, so Leeds United to yep. finish top. Ooh. Um, I think uh, they did, did really well last uh, yeah, last I season. I think that. Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I think uh, yeah. I like them uh, for for second. They've uh, they've flattered to deceive over recent times, and they've been very unlucky. Yeah. Um, I think Aston Villa um, will uh, will do well. You've got to have one of those uh, yeah. uh, Premier League clubs that, um, that that's been down for what a season or two now that that's going to start to threaten to come back. Yeah. Um, I think Fulham. Um, yeah. Are in uh, in good shape to uh, to start to to do some some damage. Uh, then. Cardiff City. Cardiff, yeah. And I'm just going to throw a wild card in there. Yeah. Because I like to throw a wild card in there. I think Burton Albion and Burton, Jackson Irvine Albion. are going to do miraculous things. Until he leaves. Now, just... just no, no, no. But there's just, a special mention here. We've we, got to get mine in. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. Before you do mine, Birmingham City with Harry. Yeah. Harry Redknapp. Absolutely. Get him in because we're running out of time, Okay, boys. mine, Come just on. quickly. Yeah. Sunderland to win it. Yep. Um, Leeds second. Mm. Fulham third. Sheffield Wednesday fourth. Heartstrings pulling really heavily, Derby <laughs> fifth. Really? And Aston Villa sixth. Okay, all right. And next so, week we'll go relegation. All right, well, all Dino, right. you're responsible for keeping this archive in good order. It's in mate, the archives. Because, uh, the yeah, we've, the, um, where is the vault, by the way? We've invested a lot of money at Box to Box on this archive, so, uh, <laughs> Dino, your mate, Tony. Now, stick around, Dino, because stoppage time is next, and with Mark Van Aken missing, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no jokes to be had, so we're going to do a bit of transfer news. We're going to do some transfer news, and we're going to talk uh, a bit of gossip, as Edge always likes to do. He's, a, he's an old lady. He, um, he loves his social media, so we've got to give him a bit of that. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport the Fourth. Official signals. There's four minutes left. Boys, we're going to talk gossip, but you know that we, I know we've talked at length about um, Neymar's transfer, but uh, but that that number, Dino, just uh, just I mean, massive, incredible. It, it's numbers. a staggering number, but I did I did hear a story. I think it was yesterday. Not not so much the money, but because the PSG are owned by the the Qatari uh, mm. play people yeah. with regards to the World Cup, they're backing this in, and this is where the mm. fair play thing mm. comes in. Mm. They're backing it in that it's part of that royalty yes. to promote the World Cup. Yeah. So they're hanging the hat a little bit on that. Mm. The number's obscene. I mean, what's he going to do? I think I think it's something like 800000 a week, mm. Australian dollars. I just spend that money. Um, but um, 
they obviously think they'll get the money back and uh, and, and away they'll go. So he's a good talent. Imagine rocking into the local NAB and, uh, if you're Nemo and asking for a mortgage. And Can you just show us your payslips? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somehow I don't think with that kind of money he's going to be needing no. to borrow the money for a mortgage, but I take your point. But, um, look, you're... Yeah, the, the transfer news has just been incredible this week. You know, uh, um, well, it's it's game time for Europe in particular, isn't it? Well, the it's one just, that's the really one, the, yeah. the one that's sticking out to me is this uh, Kylian Mbappe, yeah. uh, Kylian uh, Mbappe, and, and his potential move from Monaco, which apparently there is talk the, the transfers uh, application's gone in, but and I know Real Madrid are all over it, and the talking that uh, I think it was in this morning's press that that what will happen is that they're going to have to offload um, Gareth Bale. So it's interesting if they do, and I, and I think Manchester United would yeah. be unbelievably big suitors for, for Gareth. Um, so again, it's an interesting space. I mean, they're getting a 20-year, 8-year-old versus, I guess, an 18-year-old who's very, very exciting. Mm. But it's an interesting space, isn't it? But despite Mbappe's unbelievable season for Monaco last year, I mean, the fact that he's only so young, that he's so young, surely there's a question mark over his value. I don't think so, Edge. Not, not, the, not the bits I've seen. I mean, I think he showed enough, whether he was 18, 20, 22, he, he looks like he's been, he doesn't look an 18-year-old, he looks like he's been there for years. And these are the, the class acts, the Ronaldos of the world, mm. the, the, all the top class ones just look like they've arrived and they've always been there. You know, like they've got an old head on young shoulders. And 18's 18, but I mean anything that was put in front of him, he jumped over. And there's something that you've got at that age where you think the world's your oyster. You're ten foot tall and bulletproof. You're not scared. And, when, and, and no matter what level of your life are, if you've had a little bit of success, you just think it's always going to be that way. So for a bloke like Mbappe, who's uh, performing on the world stage, he's done really well with Monaco, and uh, you know everyone's fading him. They want to throw this sort of money. He's going to play with incredible confidence, isn't he? Look, the other he is, and and the other the one the other one that stuck out to me now is um, the uh, Diego Costa. You know the Diego yeah. Costa. I mean the yeah. the text you know, Textgate. Your, Textgate, and he's on his way up. But Diego Simeone mm. has told the club's board that they must sign striker Diego mm. Costa, valued at fifty million pounds. All right, which is a perfect segue into a little bit of gossip. Give it to us, uh, a snapshot. Yeah, you know. in regards to yeah, whatever your your juicy. Well, Edge, Edge most probably likes to pick the best one. I mean, Gilfie Sigerson, maybe that the Everton fifty million deal is an interesting one. Um, and most probably other than that, um, I think good news for Leicester that Damara Gray, who I do like. I know he's a raw talent from uh, Birmingham City that they signed, but uh, mm. he's apparently then going to uh, secure his future for the, for the future. Well, that was a 30-second gossip column, boys. Well done. <laughs> and that is full-time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to, to the, the other. other in the world game.